here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. A lot to get to today. You know, it's very important to remember 9-11. Those of you who are my age or somewhat younger, we remember it. But it's 17 years ago. We have teenagers who didn't live through it. And this is a danger we still face from the Islamo-Nazis. Whether they control a nation state like Iran or whether they seek to strike out like Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and so forth. This is a grave threat to this country. And uh, an awful lot of good people died on that day. And it did change so much of what takes place in this country. And as I watch the memorials and listen to them on the radio as well. When you consider how petty the media are, how petty some people are, it's really quite appalling. You wonder if people have learned anything. We need to strengthen our immigration policies, we get a fight. We need a wall, physical barriers on the southern border, we get a fight. We need to build up the United States military, we get a fight. So for the next few minutes, as of course we'll be doing other things during the program as well, but for the next few minutes, we listen in. We listen in. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. Try to keep eight dollars. Try to get back to 
try to get there to you as soon as you can. Okay, well, people have a difficult breathing. Yeah. All right, we're going to relay this to the fire department, okay? Yeah. All right, sir? Uh, we're going to relay this to the line. Thank you. Sir, you want to leave the line open? I'll stay on the line with you. You don't have to talk, okay? American 77, your departure frequency will be 125.05, runway 30, clear for takeoff. Clear for takeoff, runway 30, American 77. American 77, don't support your radar contact, climb and maintain 5,000. 5,000, American 77. American 77, contact Washington, 133.27. American 77, American 77, passing 25.1127. American 77, climb, climb, maintain, flight level 290, sir. 290, American 77. American 77, turn 20 degrees right, vector for your climb. That's my American 77. American 77, uh, Roger. Maintain flight level 350. I'll show that as your final. Uh, 350 for final American 77. Thank you, sir. American 77, climb and maintain flight level 350. 3350, American 77. American 77, clear direct uh, Thomas. Uh, direct Thomas, American 77. Thank you, sir. American 77, Indy. American 77, American Indy. American 77 American Indy Radio Check. How do you read? American uh, 77 American Radio Check. How do you read? This is Jacobs. Uh, this is uh, Henderson, American 77. I don't know what happened to him. I'm trying to read him. Looks like he turn, took a turn to the south, and uh, now I'm, uh, I don't know what altitude he's at or what he's doing. Last night he was at, uh, heading towards Falmouth at 35. Well, just let me know. Okay, I'll try to get a hold of him. Thanks. Mark Lovin. half hour of this program focused on 9-11 and focused on patriotism because so little of this is discussed in our society today day in and day out we are bombarded 
with the bleak, negative attacks of the media, of the left, of our enemies. And it's worth remembering what a magnificent country this is, what a magnificent people you are. And we've sacrificed a great deal through the decades of the centuries. It's a country to love, not resent. I'll be right back. The playlist of great American values continues on The Mark Levine Show. Call Mark now at 877-381-3811. I don't really know how to describe this other than evil. Evil. In the Washington Post today, an op-ed by Joe Scarborough of MSNBC has his own TV show with his soon-to-be wife, his paramour. And as you're thinking about 9-11 and the lead-up to 9-11, to sit down and pen an op-ed of the kind that Joe Scarborough did is pure evil. It's diabolical. And he's very proud of it. Here's what he said this morning on his program. Listen to this. Cut one, go. I love that line, that Roger Cohen line, America is an idea. And if you strip America of its ideas, uh, forget about knocking down buildings in the financial district. Forget about running planes into the Pentagon. Those are tragedies, but those tragedies bring us closer together. America is an idea. You gut America of that idea. Now, mm-hmm. let's just stop. You see how quickly he dismisses it. It's 9-11. He's using the occasion of 9-11 to lead up to a point that you'll hear in a moment. You know, forget about knocking down buildings in the financial district. Forget about running planes into the Pentagon. Those are tragedies, but those tragedies bring us close to... It's, he's got ice water in his veins. Because he is... He's sprinting to a point that he feels he desperately must make. Go ahead. Arm to America. Roger Cohen wrote that right after Donald Trump was elected. And unfortunately, 18 months later, across the world, you have people looking at... A country that is saying they want to ban people from coming to America because of their religion. Now, nobody has said that. Nobody. Nobody has said that, Joe Scarborough. Why do you lie through your teeth? Particularly on this day. Why do you choose to lie like that? Go ahead. Brett Kavanaugh, who wants to be on the Supreme Court refusing to answer whether people should be banned from coming to the United States because of their race. Uh, He didn't refuse to answer whether people should be banned from coming to the United States because of their race. In fact, the email that Cory Booker demanded be released demonstrated the opposite. Why do you lie like you do, Joe Scarborough? Why do you lie through your teeth? Go ahead. The Constitution and the accumulation of that, the retweeting of neo-Nazi videos, Charlottesville. uh, This president, this president deported a 95-year-old Nazi 
where Barack Obama refused to, where George H., uh, where George W. Bush refused to. You really think he's a neo-Nazi? How outrageous is this? Do you think the neo-Nazis like the fact that this president has a 90% popularity rate in Israel? You think the neo-Nazis like the fact that he has a daughter and a son-in-law and grandchildren who are Orthodox Jews? Do you think the neo-Nazis like the fact that he recognized Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel and moved our embassy there? Other presidents running for office lied about it. He actually did it. Or that he closed the PLO office? Tell me, Joe Scarborough, what the hell have you done in your life? Are those the actions of somebody who's sympathetic to neo-Nazis? Why do you lie like this, Joe Scarborough? Why do you lie through your teeth? Go ahead. Go on and on. What he said about uh, majority black countries. He didn't uh, say anything about majority black countries. He talked about destitute countries. Destitute countries. And that is a matter of immigration policy. It's been the immigration policy of this country for some time. That people who come to this country need to be able to contribute to this country. That means some will be destitute. Some will not. But he's talking about standards that have been in place for 150 years. Only to the last 10 years have they not been in place. Has nothing to do with race. Go ahead. That is tearing more at the fabric of America than attacks on the Twin Towers. Than attacks on the Twin Towers did. So Trump is more dangerous, more damaging to America than the Islamo-Nazis that slammed those jetliners into our buildings and into central Pennsylvania. You must really have a hate on. You must really be an egomaniac beyond measurement to say such things. Like I said, evil and diabolical. Go ahead. Built from that, we became stronger because of that. Uh, but this is, seems to me a far graver, graver threat to the idea of America. The far graver debt, uh, threat, threat to the idea of America. That is Donald Trump. He's a kook, this Joe Scarborough. And of course, the Washington Post ran his piece, just like the New York Times ran the anonymous piece. Our free press. The golden age of journalism. You see, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are truly patriotic Americans, you see it, I see it. Anything goes when it comes to attacking the President of the United States. And not only that, anything goes when it comes to attacking you. Scarborough has had people on his show that have, that have uh, said that you are the equivalent of Nazis and racists. This is really quite evil, quite diabolical, what's taking place here. And they have to lie in order to advance their positions and their arguments. And to use the occasion of 9-11 to push out some drivel is truly unbelievable to me. There's a guy by the name of Devin McCourtney. Devin McCourty, New England Patriots. Is he still a player or is he uh, retired? Do you know, Rich? He's still a player. 
And he was on MSM, MSNBC today. This MSNBC. I mean, this is a real hate network. Now listen to this football player with the New England Patriots. Cut two, go. I think if you're, you truly want to get involved in it and not just throw out the idea, oh, these guys are protesting the anthem and the servicemen, but to actually listen to us and see what we're talking about. We've had opportunities to talk to some of those servicemen, and they said that's what they fought for. So I think a day like today where we're talking about 9-11 everywhere, you know, I think it's the quality of what people went through when they were trying to rescue lives. That's the same thing we're trying to fight for. The same thing you're trying to fight for? You mean taking a knee at a football game is the same thing you're trying to fight for when those first responders were trying to rescue people? Did MSNBC go back to those first responders, those who are still with us, and ask them if taking a knee at a football game is the same thing as when they went into those buildings to try and save other human beings, that that's the same thing as taking a knee? Is this guy, Devin McCourtney, this stupid? This self-deluded? I think he is. And of course, the media give him a platform. The media give him a platform. MSNBC wants this message out. The Washington Post wanted the Scarborough message out. I strongly doubt that the vast majority of active duty military and veterans in this country agree Agree. I strongly doubt that the vast majority of first responders in New York City, at the Pentagon, in central Pennsylvania, agree with this. I strongly doubt that the vast majority of these heroes agree with Joe Scarborough. That Donald Trump is more dangerous than what took place on 9-11 because he's a threat to the American idea. These are very bad times, ladies and gentlemen. We have elements within this country. I believe they are a distinct minority, although they're all over the media and they seem like a distinct majority. There are elements within this country who absolutely hate it. Joe Scarborough hates this country to make a comment like this, to write an op-ed like he did. He despises his fellow Americans. He can talk all he wants about the American idea. We have an American reality. We have a Declaration of Independence. We have certain principles. We have a Constitution of the United States. We have a civil society. America is more than an idea. When John Locke was asked about his ideas of natural law and unalienable rights. Where do these come from? Where do these ideas, where are they today? You know what he said? America. That's where these ideas are. They're in America. They're more than ideas. It's America. With real documents, with real principles, with real institutions. That Scarborough and this clown in the football suit are attacking. Are attacking. And they attack on 9-11. They don't care. They'll attack on 9-11. They'll attack on D-Day. They'll attack on the anniversary of Gettysburg. They have no respect, none whatsoever, for the history of this country. They have no respect 
for the vast majority of people in this country. White, black, brown, yellow, red. It doesn't matter. No respect. When Joe Scarborough sits down with his fat ass and making tens of millions of dollars and writes an op-ed like this, when this clown football player, same thing, comes up, talks about America, America is not a nation of oppression. America is not a nation of racism. It is a magnificent country like none mankind has ever, ever conceived before. It's more than an idea. It's a fact. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The one good thing about the Scarborough piece in the Washington Compost is this. It will be his scarlet letter forever. It will be a stain on his forehead forever. His quite sizable forehead. You see, Joe Scarborough doesn't go to war. His children don't go to war. I haven't gone to war. My children haven't gone to war. But I respect the people who do and who have. I respect the men and women in blue, in law enforcement. At the end of virtually every single radio program, I say so. Same with the firefighters, same with the emergency personnel. And now I've added Border Patrol and ICE because they're under attack. You notice Scarborough didn't focus on those men and women in his op-ed, did he? And you notice in his op-ed and during his program, he didn't focus on the enemy, did he? The Islamo-Nazis. ISIS. Hezbollah. Al-Qaeda. The Muslim Brotherhood. Hamas. And on and on. He didn't focus on that. He didn't bring on guests to discuss from where they get their ideology out of the Koran and, and why. And why they do what they do. He's not interested in exploring tough issues. 9-11. And he attacks Trump. This is a very evil, diabolical, and mentally ill person as far as I'm concerned. So consumed with personal hate and revenge. And yet, the Washington Post runs the piece. The Washington Post, which rejects the vast majority of uh, individuals who submit pieces, they found Joe Scarborough's piece compelling. Compelling. On 9-11. That's how they respect the families. And there are many Gold Star families out there whose family members joined the military as a result of 9-11. And you disrespect them too. Talk about a president this way. It's absolutely unbelievable. Even if you don't like him, even if you're never going to vote for him, even if you voted against him. This is definitely an illness. 
definitely an illness. And it has been essentially embraced by the media. Absolutely incredible. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I've told you many times about my ex-chair and how I really, really like the ex-chair. So Mr. Producer said to me a couple months ago, he said, well, didn't you say that small businesses might want to purchase some and give them to their employees? I said, okay. So we got one from Mr. Producer. Mr. Producer, Rich Cementa, loves his ex-chair. Open your microphone. Did you not just tell me that? It's unbelievable. It's help on my back. And you have a bad back. Everybody has a bad back. What's up with that? But anyway, you can adjust it. It kind of fit. It conforms to your body. I mean, tell the, I mean, I'm telling people the truth about this chair. Am I not? A lot of jealous people over here, too. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, their bosses should get them one, too. Now, Mr. Producer and I are different heights. Uh, he's a short fellow. Yet how the X chair conforms to each of us to provide the same unbelievable level of support and comfort is really incredible. He's physically feeling the difference, less pain, more energy, better focus, more productivity, just like with me. I'm quite serious. You need to feel the X chair difference for yourself. And if you want to see how beautiful this amazing chair is, just go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com to see the numerous models that they have. There are a number of different models. If you own a business, well, you business owners, take my advice. If you want happier, more productive employees, then consider getting X chairs for your staff. It's a very reasonable investment that will pay huge dividends. X chair is on sale now for $100 off. Thanks to me, quite frankly. On sale, $100 off. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com right now, or call them at 844-4X-CHAIR. 844-4X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairlevin.com now. Use code LEVIN. Now, let me do it this way. Do this. Go to xchair.com, okay? Use code Levin Footrest. That's L-E-V-I-N Footrest, and you'll get a free footrest. Get the free footrest. That's xchairlevin.com, code Levin Footrest. Get the free footrest. xchairlevin.com. I'm telling you, you're going to love this chair. I'm earnestly now writing my next book, and I love this chair. You know what my next book is called, Mr. Producer? Iacocca. That's correct. No, that's a joke for everybody. Uh... Everything is a deep, dark secret until I'm done. There's just too many plagiarists and uh, wannabes in this business, so I have to keep it to myself until I'm done. All right, folks, scheduled at the top of the next hour, our outstanding national security advisor to the President of the United States, John Bolton. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You see, Joe Scarborough 
he has these insane rants. And he brings people onto his show who are equally insane, vicious, narcissistic, hateful. And so it's nonstop. And same with this Brzezinski, just like her father. And uh, he gets a job from NBC, MSNBC. And then he gets a further platform in the editorial pages of the Washington Post. Now, why is that? Because they agree with him. Because they reward this kind of behavior. They pay him an enormous amount of money to do what he's doing. These are media corporations. CNN, corporate. I'm not against corporations. But you need to understand when you hear the left talk about all these corporations and the corporations and the copy at Bernie Sanders and all, the vast majority of corporations, certainly publicly held corporations, have boards with directors who are not conservative. Who are not conservative. The vast majority. Including these media corporations like Comcast and Disney. And so forth. Most of the publishing houses, uh, publishing houses in this company, the executive hierarchy, liberal. Most of them are based in New York, if not Manhattan itself. So they do promote this sort of stuff. And if they publish conservatives, it's like the reptile house at the zoo, as I say. We have a special imprint just for our conservatives. Why? Well, you know, I can't really put him in with the other authors, you know. Whatever. Okay, great. It's amazing to me. And yet it's Trump. 9-11, attack Trump. Christmas, attack Trump. Why? Because they hate him. You know, uh, Speaking of the press, and we talked about this the other day, there was an excellent piece at PJ Media by Matt Margolis today. And I covered some of this, but actually he was very thorough. The top five ways Obama attacked the free press. Now, if we're going to talk about a free press under attack, then let's talk about a free press under attack. And he points out, while media was generally very positive toward Obama, he wasn't willing to risk losing control in an interview while he was running for re-election. Should a journalist actually try to ask a tough question? So to solve this problem, Obama went to local media outlets to do interviews. Now, why does this matter? Well, the reason's control. National media outlets would not be so open to ground rules for interviews. But local media outlets were another story. Local news stations don't often get the opportunity to interview the president of the United States. And they're far more willing to agree to ground rules, such as establishing what topics could be discussed or what questions could be asked. Obama was clearly more comfortable when he could dictate the terms of an interview. And by August 2012, Obama had done 58 local media interviews, but only eight national media interviews. Even though the national media was with him. What else? The Constitution protects freedom of the press because a free press is a check on the power of our elected leaders. Obama didn't want this check, not on his watch, and made many efforts to rein it in. Early in his second term, Obama's, remember this, FCC proposed a new program 
that would have put FCC agents in media newsrooms, quote, to determine how stories were selected, whether there was bias in reporting, and whether critical information needs were being met. I'm quoting, these monitors would be placed not only in broadcast newsrooms, but also print media outlets that the FCC had no regulatory authority over. Because the FCC controls licensing of broadcast media, these monitors would have been effective intimidation tools. A constant reminder to the media that if the government didn't like what you were saying, your license to broadcast could be revoked. Now, who knows what would have happened had it not been for FCC Commissioner Ajit Pai, now chairman under Trump, who exposed the existence of the proposed program in 2014, causing outrage, including by me, on this program. So there had to be scrapped. Now that was fascistic. Did the media go nuts over that? No. Did the usual professors go nuts over that? No. Were the usual Democrats in Congress in front of the, me- in front of the microphones and the Klieg lights complaining about our fascistic president? No. What else did Obama do? Well, after trying to blame Republicans for so-called sequestration budget cuts, Obama was less than thrilled when Bob Woodward wrote a book, The Prince of, excuse me, The Price of Politics. And in an early 2013 opinion piece in The Washington Post that automatic spending cuts had been actually proposed by the White House and personally approved and signed into law by Obama, Less than a week after the piece ran, Woodward revealed that a senior White House official warned him he would regret calling Obama out for his role in the sequester. After Woodward revealed his experience, other journalists came forward with similar stories. Ron Fournier, the former editor-in-chief of the National Journal, said of the Obama administration, quote, I received several emails and telephone calls from this White House official filled with vulgarity, abusive language, and virtually the same phrase that Woodward called a veiled threat. Lanny Davis, Bill Clinton's longtime advisor and now lawyer to Michael Cohen, also came forward with claims he had received similar threats for unflattering pieces he wrote about Obama in the Washington Times. Liberal journalist Jonathan Alter said he'd been subjected to abusive treatment from the Obama administration for writing something They didn't like. There's a kind of threatening tone that from time to time, not all the time, comes out of these guys, he said. A young female reporter was called crude names in an email for merely asking important questions of an Obama cabinet secretary. What about this, Chuck Todd? I want to ask you about this, but you won't come on my program. Must be too busy. Spying on the media. If threatening journalists for asking tough questions and writing unflattering articles isn't bad enough, all I can say is it gets worse. The Obama administration actually spied on the media. Oh, yeah. Less than six months into Obama's second term, we learned that his Justice Department secretly obtained two months of phone records of AP reporters and editors. What was the Obama administration after? They wouldn't say. But Gary Pruitt, the president and CEO of the Associated Press, had an idea. Quote, These records potentially reveal communications with confidential sources across all of the news-gathering activities undertaken by the Associated Press during a two-month period, provide a roadmap to AP's news-gathering operations, and disclose information about AP's activities and operations that the government has no conceivable right to know. Wow. 
Also, the Justice Department secretly obtained then-Fox News reporter James Rosen's phone records, tracked his movements, and read his emails while investigating possible leaks of classified information to Rosen from an article on North Korea's nuclear program. One consequence of this Obama administration spying was that longtime sources stopped talking to the AP and other news organizations. What else? That's not all? For all of Donald Trump's mean words and use of the term fake news or enemy of the people, I think we can all agree that such things aren't nearly as bad as threatening and spying on journalists, right? Do you still think Barack Obama was an advocate of the free press? What if I told you he actually tried to put journalists in jail for doing their jobs? The aforementioned James Rosen, who was subjected to Obama administration spying, was also threatened with jail time when the Obama Justice Department labeled him a co-conspirator with one of his sources who was charged with violating the Espionage Act of 1917 for leaking the information to Rosen. Another journalist, James Risen of the New York Times, who we talked about before, was similarly treated as a co-conspirator with a government source indicted by the Obama administration under the Espionage Act. Risen was subpoenaed and originally compelled to testify against one of his sources. The Obama administration used the Espionage Act six times in eight years to go after government sources, more than double the number of all previous administrations combined. Risen of the New York Times would later describe the Obama administration as the greatest enemy of the press freedom in a generation. Leonard Downey Jr., the former executive director of the Washington Post, said the administration's war on leaks and other efforts to control information are the most aggressive I've seen since the Nixon administration. These are the facts. These are the facts. While they're trashing the current president. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's take some calls. Jeff, Seattle, Washington, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm fine, Mark. Uh, you know, I used to work for a member of Congress back in the days when uh, Joe Scarborough was there. And he was a lot different person back then. His beliefs were, well, a lot different than they are today. And I'm really torn by this. I'm trying to figure out if he was just a... An empty suit back then, or, you know, does he really believe this stuff? Uh, He gets a lot of money. I can assure you that if he were a principled, thoughtful, rational conservative, he wouldn't be on MSNBC. Can you think of one? Uh, Not on MSNBC, no. No, exactly. You must be part of the clown show, or, uh, or as I call the conga line of freaks, or you will not be a host. Okay, well, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you, and, and he couldn't make it in talk radio, and, he, and Fox wouldn't hire him, so there you are. All right, Jeff, thank you for your call. Carmine, Fort Worth, Texas, the great WBAP. Go, please. Mark, as an Air Force veteran and a retired captain of American Airlines who fly, uh, flew Flight 77 on September 8, 2001, and scheduled the flight the days following, I just wanted to express my sincere gratitude for the 
magnificent tribute you continue to do commemorating 9-11 and reminding us why we love our country. And to Joe Scarborough and his ilk, America is not an idea, but as President Reagan once said, it is that shining city on the hill and that this current president is trying to restore the fundamentals that made it great. Because if we continue down the road of the fundamental transformation of it, it won't be an idea, it will be a memory. You know, that is a brilliant point. Now, Carmine, as I played that uh, stirring, frightening audio, I bet you put yourself right in that cockpit, didn't you? Absolutely, Mark, and uh, it, it, it really brings you back, and uh, it's kind of difficult to listen to. You know, uh, Chick Burlingame and his co-pilot, you know, they fought for six minutes. Yes, and, and I had the honor of picking up Debbie Burlingame at the airport when she came in for Chick's memorial service, and then I had the, also the honor of flying Brad, his brother, back to L.A. Mm-hmm. on that same flight. It was a different number that day. Unbelievable. All right, my friend, thank you for your call and your service. Six minutes in that tiny space up where the captain and the co-pilot were. They fought for their lives and to save that passen- those passengers and to save that jetliner. They fought for six minutes. It's a long time. They didn't have any weapons. The Islamo-Nazi terrorists did have weapons. The box cutters and so forth. Must have been horrific. Absolutely horrific. Unbelievable, really. Brenda Branson, Missouri, XM Satellite. How are you? Thank you, Mark, for taking my call and for the wonderful introduction with uh, the music and Uh, It just stirred my heart. Um, Mark, 17 years ago today, I worked as a nurse in California, and my son called me, and he said, Mom, Mom, there's the sweetest young lady that works here with us. They're computer animators. And he said, Mom, she just got the call that her mother and her grandmother were on the first plane. They hit the Twin Towers. And I said, Oh, Nathan, be nice to her. Be kind to her. And, Mark, the good part for our family is that eight years later, he married her. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and she never has a day that she doesn't. And she has an identical twin, and they've gone to the memorial there in in New York many times. And um, my son does portraits also, and he's painted a picture of her mother. And it's just the first thing you see when you walk in their, their home in California uh, it's a great likeness, but she suffers still to this day, and um, just so horrible thing that would happen to a, a young family. Um, I, I just don't think you recover from something like this. I don't think you recover when any family member dies such a horrific, violent death. It's, it's not, I, I mean, I, I was a hospice nurse, and I was with many that left this earth, but this was murder. This was just pure evil, and uh, mm-hmm. you, there's no answer for it. And my dear daughter-in-law, she she carries that scar, and I know she always will. And uh, I think of her today. I prayed for her this morning that she could have peace again, you know, and go on with her life. So, but I by, thank the, by the way, I want to thank you because a hospice nurse. I mean. You're so important to a family. You're just so important 
to a family at a time like that. So I want to thank you for doing that, too. I, I really don't know how people do it, but it takes a huge heart. So God bless you, my friend. Take care of yourself. All right. Do we have time for another call, Rich? Anthony, Queens, New York, police officer, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark, how are you? All I right, thank you. Producer, I have my little nine-year-old that I'm driving him on me. He goes, you think we can call Mr. Levine? I said, I'll try. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, you know, something like today, of all days, for Joe Scarborough to run himself through the mud and run this country through the mud when so many first responders were running to the trouble when everybody was running in the opposite direction. It just makes you nauseous, and I'm glad someone like you gives us a voice, you know. So, uh, well, you know, let I me guess- let me tell you something, Anthony. I normally on on this anniversary wouldn't waste my time pointing out somebody like that, but I've had enough. I've had enough. My parents taught me, and they taught me well. And I'll tell you, these these leftists and these pseudo-leftists, they they really do despise this country. They hate this country. You can't think the way they think and speak the way they speak and come to any other conclusion as far as I'm concerned. They can pretend that they uh, they just have a different point of view. I don't believe they do have a different point of view. This isn't a typical debate. They, They have a hate on. And Anthony, thank you for your service, too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back very shortly. Mark Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. I want to read a story to uh, you folks, but really it's aimed at the media in this country. Chuck Todd, Jake Tapper, Joe Scarborough, and all of you. People at the New York Times and the Washington Post, I want to read you something. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle. A couple hours ago, it's up on the Drudge Report. Cops. Castro Valley man tried to stop congressional candidate Rudy Peters with switchblade after cursing Trump. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the media in this country are inflaming people. Inflaming people. The stuff that Scarborough says and Jake Tapper and Don Lemon... Lawrence O'Donnell, Rachel Maddow, their guests that Trump is a racist, that he's Hitlerian, that he's are these things he wants to do to other people, all of which are lies. A Castro Valley man shouting profanities about President Trump attacked a Republican congressional candidate was working in an election booth at a town festival, threatening him and trying to stab him with a switchblade knife, authorities and the candidate said today. Farzad Vincent Fazeli, 35, was jailed after the alleged Sunday attack on Rudy Peters at the Castro Valley Fall Festival. Alameda County prosecutors charged Fazeli on Tuesday today with a felony count of making criminal threats and misdemeanor counts of exhibiting a deadly weapon of possessing a switchblade. 
No one was seriously injured, but in an interview, Peter said he had never been concerned about his safety prior to Sunday, though his wife has often warned him to be careful. It's a shame, he said. People are just polarized right now, and this country's divided, and it's just a mess. shouldn't be that way. County sheriff's deputies responded at about 3.45 p.m. to a report of a possible knife attack at the festival on Castro Valley Boulevard. According to the officials, witnesses told deputies that Fazelli approached Peters in an aggressive manner at his booth, made disparaging remarks about the GOP and elected officials. All of a sudden, we hear someone screaming, F Trump, F Trump. Peters recalled, he said the man raised his, his middle finger and was standing right in front of the booth. Peters had been sitting with Joseph Garkar, a Republican state assembly candidate. He said they were both kind of shocked by the outburst, but that the man seemed like he was walking off. The next thing you know, Peters said, he stops and turns around and says, I'll show you and runs at the booth. The man grabbed a coffee cup from the table and threw it at Peters. The candidate said, prompting Peters to come around the table and grab him. The two wrestled to the ground before the suspect hopped up, reached into his pocket, and grabbed the switchblade. He's screaming, I'm going to kill you, Mother F. Peters said he had the knife, but the blade wouldn't shoot out. A sheriff's deputy said in court affidavit... (coughs) that Fazelli threatened to use the pink switchblade on Peters but couldn't open it. Peters said he grabbed a sign from a nearby cupcake booth and braced to use it as a shield. Someone stepped in and urged the attacker to calm down, Peters said, before he left the booth. The candidate reported the incident to the sheriff's office, which had deputies seated a few booths away. Fazelli was soon detained at a nearby bank, officials said. Peters is running... For the 5th Congressional District of California, 15th rather, 15th Congressional District in California, which is mostly in eastern Alameda County, and he's a supporter of President Donald Trump. Peter's website advertises MAGA on its homepage, an acronym for Trump's slogan, Make America Great Again. Peters is running against Democratic incumbent Eric Swalwell. Remember this guy's all over TV, a Trump hater. In a tweet Tuesday, Swalwell wrote he was glad to hear Mr. Peters is okay, quote unquote. But it's never okay to use violence to settle political disagreements or any disagreement. The tweet continued. Fortunately, the Alameda County Sheriff's Office arrested the suspect. Fazelli has passed convictions in Alameda County for burglary and battery records show. On his Facebook page, he criticized Trump for complacency following this year's mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High in Florida. Another post he wrote, Hurricane Irma, payback for voting Donald Trump. Fazelli is licensed to work as a security guard in California, according to state documents. I'll tell you what I fear. I'll just be honest with you. With the hate being spewed by the media, the mainstreaming of hate, the mainstreaming of Antifa by hosts like Don Lemon, among others, I fear for our president. I really do. I really do. The things that are said about him have never been said about any president. Never. And if you have a kook watching TV 24 hours a day, if you have a kook watching 
MSNBC 24 hours a day or CNN 24 hours a day or most of these Sunday shows with people like Chuck Todd and the rest? I, I just worry about it. I absolutely do. I have to deal with our own death threats here. But I can only imagine what the president has to deal with. I'm quite serious about that. Now, if you've been watching or watch these confirmation hearings for Judge Kavanaugh, I think you'll agree that it's a prime example of how some in the Senate abuse their power and, frankly, make a joke out of Congress in general. If you're wondering how Congress is supposed to work and how it got this bad, then you need to take Hillsdale College's groundbreaking new online free course, Congress, how it used to work and why it doesn't. Hillsdale College teaches about our government and founding documents better than anyone. And because they have a mission to help preserve America, they turn their excellent classroom teaching into online courses that you, my beloved audience, you can take for free. In this new course, you'll learn exactly what Congress should be doing and what it shouldn't, how it got to the state it's in today, and how we can start to restore a more constitutional Congress. The course is absolutely free to you, my listeners. And when you pre-register, you'll reserve your place for when it launches on Constitution Day, which, of course, is September 17th. Just go to levinforhillsdale.com right now to register. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. It's free, so please reserve your spot today. L-E-V-I-N, levinforhillsdale.com. I mean, this is serious business, folks. Absolutely unbelievable. And there's other uh, links up there if you want to check out the Drudge Report. It's frightening, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, they've been trying to politically assassinate this president. I just worry. I worry about the kind of language that's used against him. Now, of course, they'll say, well, what about him? What about him? Well, what about him? What about him? He's defending himself. That's what he's doing. You've got network TV, satellite TV, most of cable TV, most of the uh, the big press just slamming Trump every day, slamming him on 9-11. They can't even take a rest on 9-11. And for what? What did he do exactly? You've got the Republican establishment for the most part, the political establishment just trying to eviscerate this guy. Even groups and individuals who have in the past supported policies that he's implementing, many of them still hate him, still attack him. And for many of these people, it's personal. They came out against him, including conservatives and pseudo-conservatives. And by God, they're going to stick to their position. They're going to prove themselves right no matter what. It's really quite appalling, isn't it? Well, there's very little else I can say about it other than it frightens me. I do worry about it. I've discussed it with my wife. I'm I'm serious about it. I worry about this president. Donna Frederick Maryland, the great WMAL, go. Mark, I worry about President Trump and his family as well, and I just want to thank you for that wonderful tribute. The sound of those bagpipes brought back so many memories. 
we won't ever forget what these people have done uh, for our country. And I just want to say on a personal note, I have a family member who was one of the first responders from the Marine Division uh, with the FDNY, and just learned this week this poor individual suffering from pulmonary and a heart condition. So I look at the overall view of this, media included, and I hold the Clintons responsible for the first trade tower bombing, which no one ever talks about. That happened under Bill's watch. And then the Benghazi attack, which, um, you know, Hillary's responsible for. So we have to remind ourselves that these media people are the same people that have worked with the Clintons all these years. They are the enemies of the people, and President Trump is for the people, and we can't ever forget that. And thank you so much for what you do, and all emergency personnel, firefighters, and, and all those who love this country. No, thank you, Donna, and you be well. I think the media have largely washed their hands of the Clintons, because they don't think she can win. In fact, they blame her in part for Trump. Uh, you see how they've uh, they've thrown uh, Bill Clinton finally off the roof. A allegation of rape wasn't enough. His uh, sexual predatory activity wasn't enough. Uh, his uh, molesting an intern wasn't enough. His lying under oath wasn't enough. His obstructing justice wasn't enough. Losing his his law license in Arkansas wasn't enough. Losing his uh, bar membership in the Supreme Court wasn't enough. But now they say, yeah, we got the Me Too movement. Now it's time. Uh, we got we got to wash our hands of Bill Clinton years and years and years later. And they were perfectly happy with uh, Hillary until, of course, uh, she lost. And so they're looking for another horse to ride. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. probably wondering, where is John Bolton? John Bolton was called away to a meeting. Now, he is National Security Advisor to the President of the United States, so that is a fair point. Uh, he's a good friend of the program, a good friend of mine. So we'll get him back another day. But he's been pulled to a meeting, and that's just the way it goes. I mean, we can have any guests we want, but we got to have serious people, you know. And this is a serious show. Now, summer's gone. But not the sunspots, the inflamed patches, the UV damage to your face, neck, and shoulders. Introducing Genesel's brand new sunspot corrector during Chamonix summer repair sale for a limited time. Roseanne from Akron, Ohio says, in just days I saw a lightning of dark spots on my cheeks. I am ordering more right now. And just like Roseanne... If you click or call right now, you'll get the Genesel Sunspot Corrector absolutely free just for trying Genesel for bags and puffiness today. Finally, see those stubborn sunspots vanish, even the ones you had for years, and those bags and puffiness gone. And for results in less than 12 hours, the Genesel immediate effects also free. Go to Genesel.com. Or call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. For a limited time, Chamonix Microdermabrasion is also yours free for the first time this year. Order now, and shipping is also free. 
Say goodbye to wrinkles, dark spots, and sunspots today. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com, or 800-SKIN-604. All right. Debbie, Cliffside Park, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Yes, hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you bet. I'm calling about Joe Scarborough. I read that this morning. I, I almost came out of my skin. I just couldn't believe anybody could write anything so disgusting, so despicable, deranged about President Trump like that. Somebody who's actually trying to help our country. You know, uh, it's sovereignty and the American people and their jobs and secure the, our country and keep it safe. Why these globalists, all they want to do is open our borders and destroy our sovereignty and the American people's futures. I mean, it, it's, it's and, like, and what about the Washington Post running such a diabolical piece? It's just unbelievable. It's just, I mean, to me, that's it's just a despicable excuse for a human being. It's just unbelievable, you know, that he could write something like that or even say it, even on nine eleven. I mean, every year this comes around, I just it makes me cry. It just it's horrible, and to, mm-hmm. to see that it was just I can't even describe it. It was just nuts. Yeah, well, I feel exactly the same way. All right, let's take another call here. Jim, New York, New York, the great WABC. How are you, sir? Thank you for what you do, Mark. You do a great job. Thank you, sir. I I wanted to talk to you about those uh, football players who think they're like 9-11 responders. When I used to watch the NFL, I don't ever recall seeing a football player shot to death in the street or burnt alive in a fire or like an EMS worker gets killed trying to rescue her truck. And, you know, what are these people thinking? Like, really? And how many of them are dying from autoimmune diseases and cancer Mm -hmm. and all the other diseases that are affecting the responders that went down there and did what we had to do? And I think they're just disgusting, despicable. And as far as Scarborough is concerned, he's just part of the cabal with the rest of them. You know, I think they were just all in cahoots and making this stuff up. May I tell everybody what your title is or no? Sure. You're a lieutenant in the NYPD, is that correct? I was. I'm retired. You're retired. I want to thank you for your service, too, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. God bless. People have had enough. I've had enough. I can't stand it anymore. I can't stand it anymore. Kathy, Scranton, Pennsylvania, the great WTRW. Go. Scarborough can go to that special place that <laughs> they were talking about in hell. <laughs> Rhode Island? <laughs> I love you, Mark, and thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, I wanted to tell you what a wonderful, wonderful speech our president had today. He had come to Pennsylvania. Yeah. And he had stated that the um, passengers on the plane were heroes because they were. They, mm-hmm. they they got it together. They overtook the attackers. They stopped the plane from coming, going into the White House because it was going to go to the White House. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they gave up their lives. What a wonderful speech it was. And if you could play excerpts of that speech, I appreciate it. It was so wonderful. I'd hear it again even. All and right. I'll tell you, what a patriarch we have for a president. No matter what these people say, it wasn't an inside job. This happens. And, and our government didn't do it to us. The no. people that did it to us were on those airplanes. <laughs> All 
I will uh, I'll play a few of those excerpts in the next hour. How do you like that? Because he, he gave a beautiful, beautiful speech. You're right. Mark, thank you. All right. You take care of yourself. You know, good Americans, patriotic Americans, what I call regular Americans, which are outstanding people. We've had enough of this. We've had enough. Cliff, Fort Worth, Texas, Sirius Satellite, go. Mark, I want to personally thank you. This sounds weird, but I was a guest of the United States government about nine years ago, and I started listening to the show and Rusty Humphreys after you every night, and you have changed the way I think, changed the way I live, changed the way my family lives, and I want to thank you personally for that. Because I really did listen to you thank for you. 10 months every night. You listened to me to 10 months in prison? Yes. Wait, wait, I, I got to hear more of this if you're willing to hold on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, don't hang up. I- I'm just curious, folks. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. A lot to do in one hour. We'll do our best, but I want to go back to Cliff from Fort Worth, Texas. Cliff, you uh, you said you, you did some time, right? I, I did 10 months at Club Fed for tax evasion. Okay. And uh, I was a two-time Clinton supporter, if you know what I mean, back in my 20s and early, late teens. And I started listening to you. And then right after you, they played the rebroadcast of Rusty Humphreys. And mm-hmm. I probably listened to five hours a night, honestly. Uh, and I'm telling you, my whole way of thinking changed. My whole I was thinking inaccurately. I honestly was. And uh, since then, just to give you an update, nine years later, I've got a successful business, 70 employees, wow. a wonderful 13-year-old son, and, uh, and I'm telling you right now, I know it, it, it sounds weird, but I, you have a lot to do with that. You and Rusty Humphreys have a lot to do with that. Well, aren't you kind? I'm, I'm really kind of proud to hear that, but it sounds like you're doing great now. Yes, yes, I really am. My business is taking off, and I said I've got employees all over the country now, and like 23 states, and... That's really it's really fantastic, and I really appreciate it. But I, I was going to ask you a question. Yes, sir. Last last night, I made my son sit down with me and watch a nine eleven documentary. He was obviously born in two thousand five. He didn't get to witness it or know anything about it. And the questions he was asking me were incredible. He really was into it and, and asking me what happened in this and what are we doing about it. Uh, and and I think it's really important that that we educate our young, especially those you know born you know, after 2000 or so that were too young or not born yet to remember it, why we do what we do and why we, our soldiers fight for what we do. And another question I have for you is, um, I'm going to get into your books. What's the first one I should read? Tell me the first one before I tackle the rest I should read. I, I, really I think the it. first one you should read, and we'll send you a copy, is Liberty and Tyranny. All right. So don't, so don't hang up and... Uh, and we appreciate it, Cliff. Don't hang up. We'll, we'll, we'll send you a copy of Liberty and Tyranny. Why is it important to teach young people about what took place on 9-11 and so forth? Because of the book I wrote, Liberty and Tyranny. There's those who believe in, in liberty, those who believe in the civil society, those who believe in the golden rule, and then there are those who would destroy everything. 
We have an ideology loose in the land called progressivism. It's a nice sounding word. We all believe in progress. But it's not progress. It's actually a throwback to feudalism and worse. It's an offshoot of a fabricated abstraction and ideology. Really, that mostly comes out of Germany. Like so many wonderful things. Um, And that's why I wrote the book, uh, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. I don't have enough time to get into all this today. We've talked about it in the past. But that said, we're in a battle over not just preserving our founding, but in so many ways reinstituting our founding principles versus those who embrace a foreign or alien ideology that has been imported into the United States and is ubiquitous now. And you see it in the media, and you see it in entertainment, and in Hollywood. You see it uh, in our politics. And it is, uh, and it's consuming us. And they're fighting back. I don't believe President Trump views things this way as constitutionalism versus progressivism, that sort of thing. But instinctively, he gets it. Instinctively, he gets it. He's a very sharp man. He's a man who's had enormous experiences in his life. He's, he's built things. He's dealt with all kinds of people. Instinctively, he gets it. Which is why it's so frustrating to find intellectuals and pseudo-intellectuals among conservatives who don't get him. Again, you don't have to agree with everything, and I don't agree with everything, but that's not the point, is it? All right, I want to get into something hope I have enough time to do it this hour, but I, I want to get into this a little bit. We enjoy history here, don't we? Because it gives us some perspective that we wouldn't otherwise have. Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson was our 17th president. He was Abraham Lincoln's vice president, as you know. Um, he was a Democrat. He was vice president during Lincoln's second term. And he became president upon Lincoln's assassination, April in 1865. Now, you can, you can get his biography. You can go to the History Place, the History Channel, wherever you want. He was born to a poor family in North Carolina. Never attended school. He was self-educated. But he had a flair for public speaking. And he got into politics... I guess we could call him today a bit of a populist. Going from mayor, congressman, governor, senator. He'd been a slaveholder, but he was loyal to the Union. And when Tennessee seceded from the nation during the Civil War, um, he still supported and was loyal to the Union. That's how he came to Lincoln's attention. So Lincoln early on appoints him to be military governor of Tennessee. And he chooses Johnson, uh, a Democrat, as his running mate in 1864. And of course, they, they won. They swept the victory. Andrew Johnson was impeached after Lincoln was assassinated. 
a series, as the uh, history plays points out, a series of bitter political quarrels between Johnson and the so-called radical Republicans in Congress over Reconstruction in the South would lead to his impeachment. The radical Republicans, that was their name, wanted to enact sweeping transformation of Southern social and economic life, permanently ending the old planter class system. And they wanted to grant slaves full-fledged citizenship, including voting rights. Now, the radicals included a number of notable figures. Now, after the war, they came to believe whites in the South were seeking to somehow preserve the old slave system under a new guise. They observed an unrepentant South featuring new state governments full of ex-Confederates passing repressive labor laws and punitive black coats targeting freed slaves. And by the way, that did happen in many Southern states. For example, black codes in Mississippi prohibited free men from testifying against whites, allowed unemployed blacks to be arrested for vagrancy, and hired out as cheap labor, mandated separate public schools. Blacks were also prohibited from serving on juries, bearing arms, or holding large gatherings. And by the way, this is why the assassination, in my view, of Lincoln was so horrific. The fact of the assassination was horrific, but... I feel Reconstruction would have gone in a very much more positive direction. Anyway, so uh, when the U.S. Congress convened on December 4th, 1865, representatives sent from the South included the former vice president of the Confederacy, Alexander Stevens of Georgia, along with four ex-Confederate generals, eight colonels, six cabinet members, and numerous lesser-known rebels, northern congressmen furious upon realizing this, omitted the Southerners from the roll call and then denied them seats in Congress to all representatives from the 11 former Confederate states. Radical Republican views gathered momentum in Congress and were in the majority by the end of 1865. In April of 1866, Congress enacted a Civil Rights Act in response to Southern black codes. The act granted new rights to native-born blacks, including the right to testify in court, to sue, and to buy property. These were the Republicans. President Johnson vetoed the act, claiming it was an invasion of states' rights and would cause discord among the races. Congress overrode the veto by a single vote. Now, this marked the beginning of an escalating power struggle between the president and Congress that would eventually lead to Johnson's impeachment. Bitter personal attacks also occurred with Johnson, labeled as a drunken imbecile and a ludicrous bore. And by the way, he was a heavy drinker. While the president called radicals domineering, tyrannical men, fastidious. Unfortunately for Johnson, he had appeared drunk in public during his vice presidential inauguration. In fact, Lincoln once commented on that. Weakened by a fever at the time, he'd taken brandy to fortify himself, but wound up incoherent and lambasted several high-ranking dignitaries who were present. In June of 1866, Congress passed the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, guaranteeing civil liberties for both native-born and naturalized Americans, and prohibiting any state from depriving citizens of life, liberty, or property without due process. The amendment granted the right to vote to all males 21 and older. Johnson opposed the amendment on the grounds it did not apply 
to Southerners who were without any representation in Congress. Tennessee was the only Southern state to ratify the amendment. The others, encouraged in part by Johnson, refused. Mid increasing newspaper reports of violence against blacks in the South, moderate voters in the North began leaning toward the radicals. Johnson made matters worse by attempting to join all moderates in a new political party, the National Union Party, to counter the radicals. To drum up support, he went on a nationwide speaking tour, but his gruff, uncouth behavior toward his political opponents alienated those who heard him and left many with the impression that Johnson's true supporters were mainly ex-rebels. As a result, the radicals swept the election of November 1866, resulting in a two-thirds anti-Johnson majority in both the House and the Senate. With this majority, three consecutive vetoes by Johnson were overridden by Congress in 1867, thus passing the Military Reconstruction Act, Command of the Army Act, and Tenure of Office Act against his wishes. The Military Reconstruction Act divided the South into five military districts under federal control and imposed strict requirements on Southern states in order for them to be readmitted to the Union, including ratification of the 14th Amendment and new state constitutions in conformity with the U.S. Constitution. The other two acts limited Johnson's power as president to interfere with congressional reconstruction. The command of the Army Act required Johnson to issue all military orders through the General of the Army, the time General Ulysses S. Grant, instead of dealing directly with military governors in the South. Now, that clearly was unconstitutional. The Tenure of Office Act required the consent of the Senate for the president to remove an officeholder whose appointment had been originally confirmed by the Senate. Now, that clearly is unconstitutional. Now you know where I'm going with this. The Tenure of Office Act required the consent of the Senate for the president to remove an officeholder whose appointment had been originally confirmed by the Senate. Many in Congress wanted to keep radical sympathizer Secretary of War Edwin Stanton in Johnson's cabinet. The political feud between the president and Congress climaxed as Johnson sought to oust Stanton in violation of the Tenure of Office Act. And during a cabinet meeting in early August, Stanton had informed the president that the five military governors in the South were now answerable to Congress and not to him as president, and that the new military chain of command passed from the commander of the army through the House of Representatives. Again, clearly unconstitutional. On August 12, 1867, an outraged President Johnson suspended Stanton and named General Ulysses S. Grant to replace him. However, the Senate refused to confirm Johnson's action. Grant then voluntarily relinquished the office back to Stanton. On February 21, 1868, challenging the constitutionality of the Tenure of Office Act, Johnson continued his defiance of Congress and named General Lorenzo Thomas as the new Secretary of War and also ordered the military governors to report directly to him. This time Stanton refused to budge and even barricaded himself in his office. Three days later, the House of Representatives voted impeachment on party line vote of 126 to 47 on the vague grounds of high crimes and misdemeanors, with the specific charges to be drafted by a special committee. And that special committee drafted 11 articles of impeachment, which approved a week later. Articles 1 through 8 charged Johnson with illegally removing Stanton from office. Article 9 accused Johnson of violating the Command of the Army Act. The last two charged Johnson with libeling Congress through inflammatory 
and scandalous harangues, quote-unquote. The trial in the Senate began on March 5, 1868, with Supreme Court Chief Justice Salmon P. Chase presiding. Prosecution was conducted by seven managers from the House, including Thaddeus Stevens and Benjamin Butler. Johnson did not appear in person. On March 16, a crucial vote occurred on Article 11 concerning Johnson's overall behavior towards Congress. A straw poll indicated the Senate was one vote shy of the necessary two-thirds, 36 votes out of 54 senators needed for conviction. Johnson's fate rested upon the single undecided vote of a young radical Republican named Edmund Ross of Kansas. Despite monumental pressure from fellow radicals and dire warnings that a vote for acquittal would end his political career, Ross stood up at the appropriate moment and quietly announced, not guilty, effectively ending the impeachment trial. On May 26, two more ballots produced the same 35 to 19 result. Thus, Johnson's impeachment was not upheld by a single vote, and he remained in office. After completing his term, Johnson returned to Tennessee and so forth. What's the moral of this story? I'll explain it when we return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Edmund Ross is considered by some a hero, by others not so much. He was ousted from the Republican Party, and he became a Democrat. And pretty much uh, he was finished. So I have to ask this question when it comes to our current president. Andy McCarthy wrote a piece about this. And of course, we've been asking this question, too. What exactly? What exactly is it? That Donald Trump did or has done that warrants impeachment. What is the precise crime that he's committed? Well, there is none. He's committed none. He's obstructed nothing. Does Mr. Mueller look like or act like he's been obstructed? Has anybody limited his staff, limited his expenses, limited his areas of inquiry? Well, certainly not the president. Has anybody stopped Mr. Ray, the new FBI director, from conducting his investigation? No. Isn't it true that Mr. McKay, before he was fired and is now under criminal investigation, the former deputy FBI director, isn't it true that he testified before Congress that he had all the resources necessary? Yes. There's been no obstruction of any kind. There's been no crime of any kind. Well, he's given this reason and that reason, so what? He can give whatever reason he wants. President had the fire to power uh, the power to fire Comey is the power to fire anybody under his under his control. He's the president of the United States. That's why we elect him. He has a constitutional power, and so uh, should they try to impeach the president of the United States, we have to take the brass knuckles off, ladies and gentlemen. I say this figuratively. And if they wanna they wanna have a UFC match, then we have to have a UFC match. That's the way it is. Mark Levin is the fastest-growing radio show in America. 
The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. The 500th episode of Levin TV airs tonight. The 500th episode. If you love my radio show, if you love my life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox. And if you like my books, I hope you'll join us so you can watch the 500th episode. 844-LEVIN-TV. We're there for you. 844-LEVIN-TV. I really don't want you to miss this episode. 500 episodes. People said couldn't get done. People have tried it in the past, and they have, and they have failed. But uh, Levin TV and our network, CRTV, is growing every single week. I know this as a fact. And mostly because you and my radio audience are joining us. And you know, the great thing about Levin TV and CRTV, the network, you decide if you want to be involved. You decide. We don't have commercials. You support it or you don't. So I want to encourage those of you who've listened to me talk about it now for two and a half years. Come join us. We're on our 500th episode. Where have you been? We want you to be with us. And this thing is priced as low as we can possibly price it in order to have the highest quality programming possible. So give us a call at 844-LEVINTV. We'll explain everything to you. We'll explain how it works. We'll get you set up in less than five minutes. And you're probably going to say, gee, why didn't I do this before? Gives you some peace of mind because we're all about Americanism and patriotism and the truth. And you have recourse. It's in your own power. You have recourse. So I hope you'll join us. Just give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. And I believe the uh, 30 days risk-free viewing is still available if you act now. So you get to watch it, see if you like it, if you want to stay with us or not, because we're convinced you will. By the way, there's 20 wonderful hosts and programs. Um, Now, if you ask any AMAC member what they like most about belonging to the conservative alternative to the AARP, well, there's several answers, but one answer that always comes up, they love reading AMAC's quarterly magazine, the AMAC Advantage. It's a first-class publication covering a variety of hard-hitting stories from notable authors, and AMAC members love it. Well, my friends, AMAC membership just keeps getting better because AMAC is pleased to announce that instead of publishing just four issues each year, they're now sending AMAC Advantage to all million and a half AMAC members six times a year. That's every other month. Six issues of AMAC Celebrated Magazine delivered to your home every year, and it's all part of AMAC membership. Now, what else? Well, ladies and gentlemen, they have outstanding discounts and benefits at AMAC. Because AMAC has muscle. There's 1.5 uh, million members. And so they're able to negotiate outstanding deals, insurance, car rentals, hotels, you name it. So there's one other point I want to mention about AMAC. They're the largest, maybe the only, conservative organization of its kind. Some of you belong to the AARP, the radical left. Some of you don't belong to anything. If you belong to the AARP, if you don't belong to anything, 
please join us. I am a member at AMAC, and I know you're going to love this organization. You're missing out if you haven't joined yet. So join today at amac.us. The benefits are great. The conservative cause is great. Get your copy of the latest edition of the AMAC Advantage magazine, along with all the other discounts and benefits that come with an AMAC membership by just joining. The website, again, is amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. AMAC is better, better for you, and it's better for America. I'm telling you, it's an outstanding organization. I promised the lady who called last hour, whose name escapes me, I apologize, that we would hear a little bit from Donald Trump's uh, speech today. And so we shall. He was in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Cut three, go. Most importantly to the family members of Flight 93, today all of America wraps up and joins together. We close our arms to help you shoulder your pain and to carry your great, great sorrow. Your tears are not shed alone. For they are shared grief with an entire nation. We grieve together for every mother and father, sister and brother, son and daughter, who was stolen from us at the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and here in this Pennsylvania field. We honor their sacrifice by pledging to never flinch in the face of evil and to do whatever it takes to keep America safe. And you can tell that the president is speaking from his heart. You can hear his emotion. Cut four. Here in Shanksville, many of you raised up the first memorial, a wooden cross, a chain-linked fence, mementos and tributes pouring in, and dozens and dozens of American flags. A piece of America's heart is buried on these grounds, but in its place has grown a new resolve to live our lives with the same grace and courage as the heroes of Flight 93. This field is now a monument to American defiance. This memorial is now a message to the world. America will never, ever submit to tyranny. It's a beautiful, beautiful speech. Cut five, go. Earlier this week, you dedicated the final part of this memorial the Tower of Voices. Standing at 93 feet tall, the Tower of Voices is now the first structure visitors see when they come to this now sacred ground. It will hold 40 beautiful chimes that ring throughout these fields, each a unique note, but all in perfect harmony. Each time we hear those chimes playing in the wind, we will remember the 40. 
We will remember their faces, their voices, their stories, their courage, and their love. And we will remember that free people are never at the mercy of evil. Because our destiny is always in our hands. America's future is not written by our enemies. America's future is written by our heroes. As long as this monument stands, as long as this memorial endures, brave patriots will rise up in America's hours of need and they too will fight back. Beautiful. This is a great speech. Let's go to Bernie Hudson, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. I want to thank you for your service for bringing well, common sense to constitutional rights. Thank you. All this yeah. stuff on TV today with Joe Scarborough and all them. I'm a retired firefighter after 31 years. I wouldn't allow them in any fire station in the country or police station for some of the things that have been said today. And it is, my yep. other, you go right ahead. My other point, I get tired of listening to all these politicians, including the Republicans, when they talk about the American people want this or the American people want that. Those people were elected in their districts to represent the people of those districts, and they have no business representing all of Americans unless they all get together and they start going to meetings in all the states and listening to what all the American people decide that they want. Mm-hmm. And I believe that they should just keep their mouth shut and do their job for the people that elected them. Well, good luck with that. Well, that ain't going to happen. Have you ever seen a politician keep their mouth shut? <laughs> well, I have now. Donald Trump is a politician now, and I'll tell yes. you what. I never I never cared for Donald Trump. Yeah. But I, I voted for him because he's got common sense, and he's a business person. And this country, for the last 25, 30 years, has needed a business person to run it because all they do is steal us blind. Will you vote for him again? Yes, I will. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. Let's quickly go to Marie, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. Go. Hi, Mark. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. Thank you. And from your hometown. Yes, you are. This was a teachable moment. When 9-11 happened, I remember being devastated like everyone else. My background is I'm a nurse uh, wound specialist in Philadelphia, Mm. and I'm really good at what I do. So when this happened, it immediately hit me that, you know, there's people who are going to need my help. I called the Red Cross. The Red Cross told me that they had so many doctors and nurses who have called them that, but they thanked me. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm a wound healer. This is what I do. This is what I do all of my time. And I'm great. I'm really good at what I do. No modesty here. So anyway, um, as I explained this to the caller at Red Cross, she said, well, that might make a difference. She said, let me talk to people here in administration, and let me call you back tomorrow morning. 
So that night I went home. We were having uh, a grill on the deck. Our daughter was eight years old at the time, and my husband, and I explained to them uh, what I did. And they just looked at me. My husband understood. My daughter began to immediately begin to cry and beg me not to go. And I said to her, Jill, there's times when people need to step up to the plate because of what they do. I said, you understand. I said, I am like the best wound healer in Philadelphia, don't you? And she said, well, yeah, Mom, you are good. And I said, honey, I got to do this. This is when you have to do this type of thing. And despite her crying, she basically understood. Um, well, maybe not really, but today mm -hmm. she does. Point being is, is the next day I got a phone call back from the Red Cross, and they told me, and it was really very uh, sad, they said, that they really thanked me, they wanted me, to, they really would love to have had me be able to go, but that there were no survivors. So they weren't in need of wound healing. Today, um, my daughter's 25. I've got 30 seconds. She's finishing off nursing school at the age of 14. She joined the Southampton Fire Company. She's been a volunteer fire company. They sent her to EMT training. She goes out on the truck with them as the EMT, and she's in a local rescue squad. That's fascinating. You think this came out of your discussion with her? I actually think it came out of, I think that added to it, but she was always enamored with fire, the fire mm -hmm. company. She loved watching fire trucks. All right, Marie, this is a wonderful story. I want to thank you. I've got a hard break. We'll be right back. in. study just came out of China, of all places, and it discovered that air pollution, and they have a lot of it, causes a huge reduction in intelligence. This is in addition to the well-known impacts on physical health. High pollution levels led to significant drops in test scores with language and arithmetic, the average impact equivalent to having lost an entire year of education. This is especially important with 95% of the global population breathing unsafe air. So let's do the smart thing. Go to filterby.com, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. Choose from over 600 sizes, including custom options that ship free within 24 hours. Plus, they support working Americans manufacturing all their filters right here in America. Save 5% when you subscribe for auto replacement so you will never forget to change your filters ever again. That's what we do here in the Levin household. You take out the, the dirty, filthy filters, you replace them with brand new, fresh filters. Buy, filter buy, and they will save you time and money through this schedule. And you'll breathe better and apparently become more intelligent in the process. So stop procrastinating. That's filter buy, filter com, filter com, and tell them that Mark sent you. Fakima, New York, New York, the great WABC, go. Yes, How are you? Mark. Go right ahead. I don't. I, we only have a few minutes. I don't want to lose okay. you. Go ahead. First of all, you're, you're the funniest guy that I've heard on TV as a commentator. Just had to tell you that. Well, the thank TV, you. The thing that I'm calling about is yeah. that Rosenstein, Carter, I mean, uh, Paige struck 
Hillary, Comey, and Mueller should be charged with treason by Trump's administration because the dossier was fabricated with an agent from Russia, which means it's levied war against the United States. They just work out the details. Well, you know what, Fakima, I've, I've been arguing for a special counsel to investigate this for a long time. Even people who don't like special counsel say, Mark, we don't like special Look, something really dirty and corrupt happened in our government. We're able to pull a fiber here, pull a fiber there, and I smelled this over a year and a half ago for which I was attacked. We need to get to the bottom of this. What really took place at DOJ and the FBI? What really took place at the CIA and the, and the, uh, and the National Intelligence Director's Office? What really took place in the orbit of Barack Obama and so forth and so on? And the fact that they won't appoint one is really shocking to me. You think that this will go away like the, uh, um, the other stuff with... And, and the IRS and all. Listen, if we if we don't have people held to account in an institutional way, it's not going to go away. I don't. I think we've only hit the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a hell of a lot more people involved in this. I do too, and I think what Trump should do um, at, at his midterms, he needs to start shutting down certain areas of the government that is under his under Article Two to deal with the corruption as a national emergency that we got. That, and he could do that. I mean, popular, but well, Joe Scarborough that. will accuse him of being a uh, Hitler. Well, Scarborough is mentally deranged. Oh, and my goodness. See, I used to be, see, this is the thing about Democrats. Democrats are trained. Well, how are they they're trained to think like that subconsciously from the media and the way society is set up, because the, 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 the predominant major cities in America are run cities. And then you get to, you, you're trained to think this way. I'm from New York. I'm 56. Trump has always been that way. He's never changed. He's always, he called You know, I, I really wish you'd called earlier, because you fascinate me. And you sound in some ways like John Voight, who said, when I was a leftist, propaganda, you're trained to think a certain way, and it's hard to break that code. Call me again, friend, okay? We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you wonderful first responders. God bless you all on this uh, terrible day. I hope you'll check out Levin TV tonight.